for a rational look at a complex world. This is Rational Radio on WHIP. Hello, hello, hello. You're listening to Rational Radio here on WHIP, Philly's number one college radio station. Um, my name's Amelia, and joining me in the booth today are Jenny and Valerie. Hi. Hi. How are your guys' weeks been so far? It's been pretty good. Um, today's weather, I'm not really a fan, but I am a fan because on Friday, it's going to be 70 degrees and sunny. So I'm, or no, that's Saturday. And I'm going to go out to Fairmount Park and, like, camp out there oh, all day. Oh, that's wholesome. Yeah, I'm excited. I can't wait for spring. Like, this this type of year is the worst weather for rain. So yeah. It just rains all day, every day. So, like, that, we got the full brunt of it today. Yeah. Cloudy mm-hmm. and rainy and... I was really excited, though, because I saw some of the trees on campus and they're, like, blossoming with those pink flowers and everything. It made me so happy just to, like, see something not gray and dreary for Mm -hmm. once. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, No mumps. (laughs) All right. Well, you guys know the deal on Rational. We're all news all the time, so we're just going to get right into it today. Um, If anyone was paying attention to literally any news outlet ever, because I think everyone in the country heard about this, but the results of the Mueller investigation are in. Mueller delivered them to um, Attorney General William Barr yesterday, and he um, gave his address to Congress. So we basically just analyzed the actual letter that um, Barr gave to Congress and gave like on the floor. So that way we could give you guys like the most direct look at what actually went down in the investigation. So according to the letter, the purpose of the investigation was to analyze Russian efforts to influence the election and details the crimes committed by anyone associated with the Russian government in connection to the interference. Um, If anyone doesn't know for any reason, this special investigation was conducted by Robert Mueller and it was looking at Russian interference in the 2016 presidential election and particularly looking at how any Trump aides, uh, campaign aides might have been involved in the effort. Um, In doing this, the report primarily revolved around if um, any Americans committed a federal crime by joining the conspiracy efforts. Um, according to Barr, the report, the report stated that, quote, the investigation did not establish that members of the Trump campaign conspired or coordinated with the Russian government in its election interference activities. So it did conclude that there was Russian interference. It did not conclude that the Trump um, campaign was involved in it. Um, two main efforts, uh, two main Russian efforts to influence the 2016 presidential election were made. The first one was launched by the Internet Internet Research Agency, the IRA, which is a Russian intelligence organization based in St. Petersburg that's notorious for disseminating propaganda. And this, during this effort, they spread disinformation across social media in the United States with the goal of creating social discord. Um, Mueller did indict the IRA on February 15, 2018. Um, the second major effort launched by Russians to interfere in the election was launched by the Russian government in which they conducted computer hacking operations to obtain emails from the Clinton campaign and other Democratic Party organizations, and they dispersed this information on platforms like WikiLeaks. Um, although motion, although multiple Russian-affiliated people said that the Trump campaign was involved in this effort, Mueller's report indicated that this was not true. Uh, the Mueller investigation brought criminal charges against multiple R- Russian military officers as a result of these hacking charges. 
Um, the second half, the report addressed the obstruction of justice concerns raised by multiple actions taken by Trump. Uh, Mueller ultimately decided not to make a traditional prosecu- uh, prosecutorial judgment or a decision regarding whether Trump's conduct constituted obstruction. Instead, Mueller provides evidence on both sides that the report does not indict or exonerate Trump. So Mueller kind of left it up in the air for Barr, the attorney general, to decide. Um, and Barr did decide that Trump's actions were not a federal crime um, because there was not sufficient evidence to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he intended to obstruct justice. Um, Barr will not release the entire report for the public to see, but he will, quote, release as much of the specialist counsel report as he can, consistent with applicable law, regulations, and departmental policies. The reason he says that he's not releasing the whole thing is because there's some sensitive grand jury material that he'd rather keep private. But I know that there are some current, like, congressional efforts in the works right now to try to force him to release it in its entirety. Um, There's been a lot of reactions obviously, to the investigation so far. Some of the most noteworthy ones were Speaker Nancy Pelosi saying that it wouldn't be, quote, worth it, unquote, to impeach him unless there was an overwhelming bipartisan agreement. Um, Some Democrats have been saying that they were going to wait to try to move forward with any impeachment proceedings until they had the results from the investigation. And now that they're in, it's kind of up in the air about what they're planning to do. Um, Almost immediately after Barr released the conclusions on Sunday, Trump told reporters aboard Air Force One that the investigation was, quote, an illegal takedown that failed. Um, He had a more formal sit down with reporters in the Oval Office today. And he said, this is a little bit lengthier, but he said, quote, it's 100% of the way it should have been. I wish it could have gotten done sooner, a lot quicker. There were a lot of people out there who have done very, very evil things, very bad things. I would say treasonous things against our country. What they did, it was a false narrative. It was a terrible thing. We can never let this happen to another president again. I could tell you that. I say it very strongly. Very few people I know could have handled it. We can never, ever let this happen to another president again. You know that's coming from Trump because of the repetition. Um, so that's the situation in summing up everything that's happened this weekend because I know it's been all over the place and it's kind of hard to follow when it's like across so many different reports. But one of the big questions that I had looking back on all of this was that there have been Trump himself has over the past few years the investigation has been going on has been saying that the whole thing's a waste. So do you guys think that this was a waste or not? I don't. I don't think so at all. I think, um, if anything, this was just made an example as to how deep and extensive an, invas- an, an investigation can and will go to find out the truth. Because the Mueller investigation started so soon after he was elected. Like, his inauguration happened, and then, like, a week later, I mean, don't quote me specifically, but... The, the timeline of him getting inaugurated and the timeline of the Mueller investigation starting was very close. So, yeah. and, it's, and it's been going on for three years. So, if anything, this just proves the um, tenacity of people of, um, like, the Mueller investigation to be willing to take get the truth no matter how long it mm-hmm. takes. And I think this sets an example for future presidents. Like, even though he technically didn't technically didn't commit a federal crime they'll get to the bottom of it one way or another Mm -hmm. you know 
And I think it's important to set that precedent that even like with even if there is so much of a doubt that a federal crime could have been committed by a president, that we absolutely need to chase it down in its entirety. Yeah, and I agree. I think that um, like it's just better to have proof than nothing, especially for Trump supporters who believe in him. I mean, for them to know that the 2016 election was tampered with is just more important, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, especially because they always say that this is fake news. This is a lie. So it's really important that they have these like legal things coming out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm curious. So I know I mentioned a little bit ago about Nancy Pelosi's reaction to everything and saying that she doesn't think it's worth it to impeach him right now. What do you guys think on that? Do you think it's worth it to try to start impeachment proceedings? Do you not? No. Unless he gets unless he gets elected for another term, I think it would be just a giant waste of time and money and energy because it's already 2019. His his term for this for his first term is gonna be over soon mm-hmm. and the impeachment process itself takes so long and is so extensive so i feel like it would just be a waste of time like just exert that energy in other ways you know like making sure he's not reelected, mm-hmm. instead of just having to impeach him because at this point it's already been three years his fourth year is going to be up soon you know what i mean yeah. so i just think i i really agree with her i think it'd just be a complete waste of time unless he gets um, if he gets elected for another term i think that's in the impeachment process should kickstart right then and there (laughs) to be honest (laughs) yeah i agree with that i think that if he's going to be reelected, he should get impeached but if he's not like we should just focus on another thing because there's just been too much news coverage devoted to trump and also um you know pence just he's terrifying like yeah oh my gosh you know and also impeachment like it doesn't force the president to step down so like yeah. what would be the point anyway exactly because um bill clinton was impeached but he didn't especially like he was still president even though he was technically impeached right. you know what i mean so the impeachment process by the senate or like congress in general isn't even when the president steps down from office so like i i think it would just yeah it would take way too long i think we just need to get him out of there like he's mm-hmm. just out of out of the house out let's go find somebody new i think the only reason i would support impeachment is just kind of like on principle you know what i mean and the sense of like holding trump accountable for everything that he's done and so i absolutely agree that i think we're so late in the game at this point that it really wouldn't accomplish what it should have and so if anything i'm disappointed that like our congress people waited this long like and we're waiting for the investigation to conclude before moving forward with impeachment because they knew it could have taken this long and so because of that they kind of like denied us the opportunity and the chance to impeach him but i think just like on principle we need to find a way to hold him accountable for everything that he's done and so but it's too late for that way to be impeachment so it's kind of more of a question of how because we've never have been in this situation Mm -hmm. before essentially so it's kind of like we need to figure out moving forward as a country how to hold a leader accountable when all of like the primary methods we've used in the past aren't going to be good enough anymore i think in this case um President Trump is a very, um, out, like, he's an outlier in any situation of normal presidents being impeached, in my opinion. Um, and so even if he's not technically impeached, I think that having his reputation being burned to ashes 
when his presidency is over is at the very least holding him accountable because Mm -hmm. from now on like when he's not in office anymore people are still gonna hate him plenty of people are still going to hate him of course he's gonna have that really small group of loyal followers but i think in general like the american public knows his reputation they know what kind of person he is they know his values they know what he stands for and i think he's going to lose a lot of money from his business because people aren't going to want to um do business with him but i agree i think under the eyes of the law there needs to be more to hold leaders accountable because if if going forward we have more presidents in the future like trump which i hope does not happen yeah if if that happens though then what can we do because That's clearly impeachment doesn't work and it's just polluting the american public's opinion if all he's saying is oh it's fake it's a lie mm-hmm. when it's not this is it's a federal investigation with a lot of reputable sources and trusted lawyers and analysts and researchers like there, there's so much background that goes into it and he's just saying it's wrong yeah and like just to give you guys a scope it was 19 lawyers employed to help the yes. Mueller investigation and along with the team of 40 like 40 FBI, FBI agents, agents forensics analysts like everyone there were so many people involved mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I yeah I agree because there could be more presidents like this in the future and I think that there really has to be, we're going to have to install a more effective thing than impeachment or at least make, I mean, it might be un- in- unconstitutional though to force the president to step down. Mm-hmm. I mean, when they get indicted for a crime though, yeah, exactly. they have to go to jail. So if we could just find a way to properly indict him. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that also when Trump isn't president anymore, like, people aren't going to support him like you said Jenny and I think that people are going like his followers just I mean they might forget about him when like the next politician comes around Mm, that's Mm -hmm. a good point that's what I hope at least that's what I hope I just like I don't know this particular point has like definitely been a sticking point for me just because one of the president's literal formal duties is being the first citizen and they're supposed to set that standard of citizenship for Mm -hmm. us and so if this is the standard that we're being held to as a country Mm -hmm. then that's very scary it makes me so angry because of course the president of the united states he's the head or he or she is the head of what a lot of people say is the free world and for President Trump to sit in the Oval Office and to make the presidency look like a joke is a disrespect to everything that we hold dear as a democratic country. You know, freedom of the press, freedom of religion, freedom of speech, all of these things that us as Americans are founded on, he makes it look like a joke. Yeah. And well, on that note, we <laughs> uh, we do have to head off to our first break But when we come back, we'll be talking about something else. So stick around and stay tuned because you're going to want to hear it. Hi, welcome back to Rational Radio at WHIP. You're listening to Philly's number one college radio station. And we're coming at you from the basement of the tech center. Um, So we're back before we were talking about the Mueller investigation. And now we're going to bring you over to the Middle East and talk about some unfortunate violence. Um, The source is from the BBC News and Vox. Israel strikes Hamas targets 
in Gaza after a rocket hits the house. So after a rocket hit a house close to Tel Aviv on Monday morning, Israel accused Hamas, a militant Palestinian Islamist group, Islamist group of firing this rocket. So just some background on Hamas. Hamas is a militant, um, you know, as I said before, a Palestinian group, and it has waged war on Israel since it began in 1987 and has called for recognition of a Palestinian state on the West Bank. Now, Israel is carrying out military strikes against Hamas on the Gaza Strip. On Monday morning, a rocket was set off from Rafah in southern Gaza and hit a house 75 miles north of where it was shot off. The house is in Mishmarit, which is right near Tel Aviv. This is the furthest a rocket has reached to Israel since 2014. So that's a big deal. The house inhabitants were treated by the ambulance um, and the ambulance treated two women for major injuries and five other people who were in the house for moderate wounds. And this was just a random family who had dual British Israeli citizenship, not political at all. Um, the blast from the rocket also caused damage to a nearby home and a vehicle. No Palestinian group has yet said that they fired the rocket, so nobody's spoken up about this. A Hamas official claimed that he had no interest in firing the rocket. And Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu called the rocket strike wanton aggression while he was at the White House in Washington, D.C., signing proclamation of Israel's sovereignty and power over the Gulan Heights. So Prime Minister Netanyahu is actually here in the United States right now, or was this morning. Um, So um, what do you guys think? Is it fair for Israel to immediately assume that Hamas fired the rocket? I think after... um precedent because there has been a lot of stories like similar to this one over the years um i think at first glance it might be understandable why israel would blame hamas but i think like every other circumstance there's a lot more than just what's on the surface Mm -hmm. so i think it it requires definitely a lot of um like background investigation and and figuring out what actually happened um, and getting multiple accounts instead of just assuming because you can never assume anything, you know, and I think I think when it's a life or death situation, assuming is a very dangerous um, way to go about things, because if you assume like if Israel automatically assumed that it was Hamas that fired the rocket, then Israel can come back and attack Hamas, which will just kill more people. Mm-hmm. So I, I think at first glance in my seem OK that Israel would assume it was Hamas, but you can't assume anything because it could literally be that there could be other explanations for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and like I understand where the assumption came from because um we are looking at an article from Vox too, and like Hamas's charter has long called for the destruction of Israel and it's led um charges using suicide bombings against Israel in the 1990s and 2000s, but it's recently shifted to rockets. So I can only like, I can understand where that association and assumption came from of mm-hmm. oh mm-hmm. it's rockets who uses rockets Hamas. But I I agree with Jenny that like I think 
that there needs to be more substantial evidence linking everything beyond a reasonable doubt. Yeah, and I think that also it's important to, like, you know, think about how there are, like, it it didn't hit Tel Aviv, but it hit close to Tel Aviv, so it was slightly, you could assume that it was aimed at Tel Aviv. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think also, um, just the larger, the larger issue of the, is like the Israeli government versus Hamas has been going on for so long that I think people assume it's okay to assume things just because who else would it be? Mm -hmm. That type of thing. But I mean, you know, it, it really could have been just a coincidence or there really actually could have been a connection between it being Hamas. But I I don't think I think assuming things when it's a life or death situation can automatically be a very dangerous game. Mm-hmm. And I think that attitude of assumption too is what like deepens extremism like that because when you have people just assuming how it is and just automatically pinning blame without necessarily double checking and like kind of fact checking what's going on then they're allowing their opinions to get more extreme when it might not be based in reasonable grounds like that and I'm not saying that it like Hamas didn't do this or anything like that like I think that they're perfectly capable of it but I think that more information needs to surface regarding it before we can pass any like over like overarching judgments about it yeah yeah and also um another quote from netanyahu is israel will not tolerate this i will not tolerate this um so kind of they're showing that they're going to take action and then trump denounced the like kind of added to that and called the attack despicable and said that the United States recognizes Israeli Israel's absolute right to defend itself. So from these two leaders, that's kind of, you know, giving the support for violence against this strike is kind of jumping on to um, jumping on to preventing any further attacks. And I think that's also what Israel is trying to do to keep attacks on Israel and control and maintain the power of Israel and, um, you know, because they don't want other groups to start striking them as well. I agree. And um, I think that in any case, Israel, because they're a sovereign country, they have the right to defend themselves. Mm -hmm. But I think there needs to be a closer look before militaries start getting mobilized and people start dying because that's the last thing anybody wants that all like bloodshed just creates more bloodshed and violence perpetuates more violence but the 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 situation over there in israel has been a long-standing 2000 year old issue so i think this is just another string of violence that is just going to happen because it's normalized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And also, um, I'm looking farther into an article by, um, about this from BBC right now, and they are saying that it is a Hamas rocket made itself, um, itself made by Hamas. This is coming from an IDF spokeswoman, Major Michael um, Lifshitz, 
And she said, um, so just like looking at that, like, do we think it is like based on the fact that it is a Hamas rocket, like that it is safe to make that assumption then that it was them? Yeah. I mean, if it's clearly stated that Hamas did it and Hamas takes credit of it or like if if the facts are there that Hamas did it, then you wouldn't assume you would just know. But like, I don't know, like I'm are we just because it's a Hamas rocket? Can we draw those dots or do we have to wait for them to take ownership? I think that in this case, it's kind of you have to assume that it's Hamas because um, they like who would they supply weapons to? And Hamas does have that motivation to, you know, kind of strike Israel with aggression. Mm -hmm. So I think that you do have to assume that. Um, well, we're going to switch gears a little bit here, and we're going to go back to the U.S. right now um, because efforts to legalize marijuana in New Jersey have collapsed, according to the New York Times. So a month-long effort to legalize marijuana in New Jersey collapsed on Monday after Democrats were unable to muster enough support for the measure, rejecting a central campaign pledge from Governor Philip D. Murphy and leaving the future of the legalization movement in doubt. Uh, despite having full Democratic control in the state Senate and the Assembly, Murphy failed. Uh, Murphy faced constant party infighting and had struggled to bend the legislature to his progressive agenda. Um, some black legislators argued that marijuana would be a public health menace to their communities. Um, the sweeping bill sought to redress what its supporters say are the consequences of the war on drugs on minorities and tackle concerns about fairness in the uh, multi-billion dollar cannabis industry. In seeking to bring recreational marijuana to the doorstep of the nation's biggest city, the bill would have wiped away criminal records for hundreds of thousands of people convicted of minor drug offenses. It would also have given many in jail the chance to be set free and end parole for many others. The law also aimed to diversify a booming industry dominated by white entrepreneurs in the 11 other states in Washington, D.C., where recreational marijuana has been uh, decriminalized. New Jersey would have ensured that minor uh, minorities, as well as women, have equal access, equal access to licenses to sell or cult uh, cultivate cannabis. Through, uh, the polls show that most New Jersey residents support legalizing marijuana. Murphy had struggled to win support in the legislature for what was the centerpiece of his election campaign. It wasn't until final revisions were made to the bill, especially the beefing up of measures making it easier to expunge criminal records, that the plan had gained support from civil liberties and criminal justice activists in New Jersey and beyond. So, uh, thoughts? <laughs> wow, I mean, that's, that's a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I don't know. Would you guys have uh, like? Do you guys think that the legalization of marijuana in New Jersey would have done more harm than good? Because it seems like through this article, um, that they're kind of arguing that it would have done more harm. Um, because it's you know, Amelia um, just read some black legislators argued that marijuana would be a public health menace mm -hmm. like what are, what are your thoughts do you think it would have been positive or negative i think it would have been positive because i think the biggest thing that's happened like the most important thing in my opinion with legalizing marijuana is that um it, it it would expunge records for people who have minor drug offenses for people who are locked up for so long and have all of this like criminal records for you know carrying weed and I think that so it would have been helpful in that way 
Um, but I mean, I don't know about like the actual use of marijuana. And I think just from an economic standpoint too, like whenever you legalize something that's currently illegal, then you're going to get rid of the black market influence and you're going to reduce that because now like actual police are going to be able to police the market instead of having to result like to rely on violence to police the market since there's no other way to stand as a watchdog over it. So I think it would definitely help to drive down crime and that sort of thing. So it would like, I don't think it would be a harm in that sense and it wouldn't be a menace in that sense yeah i think i agree with that but i think in other aspects of um society you know we saw in california when it was when weed was legalized that um it opened up a certain um market for marijuana to be laced with things and it also drove up the prices of legal marijuana because now that it's legal people can charge more because they're not like and it's being regulated by the government it's being so, taxed yeah it's, it's 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 being taxed so i think i think economically it, there would be both costs and benefits mainly in that the cost of the actual marijuana would increase mm-hmm. and there could be dangers for what would be in the actual marijuana but i think at the same time when you put like implement gov- government regulation then i think also um you could see a better product being sold. You know what I mean? Because now we have actual people checking the quality of weed being sold instead of just like relying on trying to sell the highest price point for the littlest amount. So I think at that point can go either way. I agree with that. Um, I also do agree with you, Valerie. I think um, crime rates, or I I don't know if it was Valerie or Amelia, but I think crime rates rates would um, decrease. Because now these people that have passed drug offenses are not only going to have their records expunged because it'll be legal, there will be less petty drug crimes filling up jail cells and more room for actual violent crimes like murder and rape and burglar and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I Mm -hmm. think, you know, like petty drug crimes would be a very good thing to just expunge with legalization. On that note, we do have to head to our second break, but stick around because we're going to be talking about something else when we get back. And we are back. You're listening to WHIP, Philly, and it's the number one college radio station, and this is Rational Radio. So our third story today um, is from NBC News, and two survivors of the Parkland school shooting die by suicide. So two students and victims of last year's Parkland school shooting, um, which occurred February 14, 2018, have passed away over the this past week. Um, and just to give you a little background, so um, the Parkland school shooting had killed 14 students, three staff members, and injured more than 17 others. One victim of suicide, Sydney Aiello, was a good friend to Parkland victim Meadow Pollock and was believed to be suffering from survivor's guilt. The second victim of suicide is unnamed because they were a minor, but it is believed this person and Ayala's death is still the ripple effect of the MSD shooting. These two suicides have again raised major concern for students' mental health. NBC News reports that it may be hard for students to receive counseling at this time because students are on spring break. 
The Parkland survivors have taken to Twitter to discuss the topic of mental health and survivors' guilt. And Parkland Mayor Christine Hunskoski, I totally butchered that. I sincerely apologize. Um, But she said the biggest push is to get parents to open up with their children about their mental health and if they experience suicidal thoughts. The mayor also stresses the importance of recognizing danger signs in their children, like major changes in personality. She says, quote, we cannot be afraid of talking. The only way we are going to identify people who need help is to talk about it. MSC student Natasha, I do not know her last name, unfortunately. Um, she took to Twitter yesterday. She is a senior at MSD. She is set to graduate in 2019. She tweeted yesterday, quote, students are repeatedly told to get over it. It's been a year by staff members. We are told to push the grief and pain away so we can focus on school. This is what happens when the mental health of students isn't taken seriously and is pushed under the rug, end quote. So this is quite a lot to unpack here. Um, do you guys have any initial thoughts on this story? Yeah, I mean, how are they? It's only been a year, like just over a year. You know, it's March 25th, 2019, and the shooting happened in February 2018. So I think that telling students to get over it so they can focus is not a good way to encourage students to um, confront their traumas and, you know, succeed in school. I think that, if anything, um, you know, like Florida should give um, majority senior, is it majority senior Douglas High School? Majory Stoneman Douglas. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry. Majory Stoneman Douglas, they should give them more funding to have counseling or something so that way students can deal with these traumas because they have to be in the building every day where these shootings happen, where they had these traumas. Even if they weren't there, when like the shooting happened, they have friends, they have people in their community who died, they're still suffering with grief. And there's just so much that these students probably have to go through and confront every day that of course there are going to be people who are in a ton of pain and I mean they should definitely also talk to students about survivor's guilt because there are probably a lot of students who deal with that Mm -hmm. yeah the school administration might be ready to get back to normal but these students obviously are not and they should no way Mm -hmm. be expected to be so they shouldn't be forced to bear the brunt of this blame for what happened at last year in the shooting because that's essentially what's being what's happening here that students are being told to hold this blame and carry this weight of what happened in the school shooting and they're not even being offered a helping hand in this anymore through counseling or anything like that any service to help them move through their trauma i agree and i give these students all the credit in the world to you know be able to return back to a school where something that traumatic and that horrific happened because personally if that happened to me i don't know how i would handle it because you know i like i i can't like mentally i can't even fathom something like that happening to me so i think that these students that are forced to go back to class and to walk the halls where their students were murdered in cold blood in front of their eyes is traumatizing in and of itself. And then to have to go there every day and for teachers and administration to invalidate those feelings is just absolutely terrible. And like, I, I don't know how they get up every day in the morning. I give them all the props in the world. And I think it's a complete shame that 
these two suicides happen but i think it does raise a larger issue of we need to be talking about these things we can't be sweeping them under the rug these are real problems that need to be addressed and unfortunately with all the school shootings that have happened and other shootings that have happened in the past few years it's just another tally of mass violence and these people when they're not in the headlines they're everyday people they're just like us they go to class they eat with their families they talk on the phone with their friends they go to the mall like they're just everyday people just like us but they're suffering awful traumatic things like they're 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 really suffering through things and i don't know how they do it honestly i give them all the props in the world Mm -hmm. and yeah and i think it does point to a larger issue of mental health in america because rather than um you know giving them counseling services and helping them um you know these the administration is just like just deal with it just focus just forget about it and that's kind of how america deals with mental health Mm -hmm. if you have mental health issues you know it's seen as being weak or that it's your choice and that you just need to push it aside which is not how to deal with mental health you know it's important to confront trauma and deal with it very carefully with a professional um you know so i think that it kind of highlights that america needs to upgrade upgrade its thinking on mental health especially when we don't have a lot of gun control and there's going to be gun violence they need to have mental health available when there's going to be these school shootings because they're doing nothing about the gun control the lack of gun control yeah and i think that's that's the biggest problem with every policy regarding like every policy decision that's been influenced by the shooting at msd just like we keep seeing these big elephants in the room and we're shoving them into closets instead of actually addressing them and finding ways to move forward because we haven't changed any policies regarding school security or gun security like in terms of like gun regulation and that that needs to be addressed for the safe like the mental safety of our students too because Mm -hmm. we can't just like it's not these suicides are going to keep happening and they're just as bad as an actual school shooting because it's still a direct result from it and so why aren't we why aren't we treating it like that because these students wouldn't be drive to such an like to such a measure if they hadn't been through that school shooting so it's still just another measure and another direct after like it's the direct aftermath of the school shooting still yet we're acting like it's not and we're acting like it's their choice Mm -hmm. when it's clearly not yeah I completely agree. I think this this is just another instance in the very, very, very long argument of why there needs to be more regulation with guns. And I don't want to get into too much detail because I don't want to, you know, trigger anybody or anything like that. But Sydney Ayayo, I'm definitely butchering her last name, but she died by gunshot wound. So just the thought of her, you know using a gun on herself is just another instance where it's just it's so heartbreaking because she saw her own friends and classmates get killed by a gun and she was driven to such measures that she died by suicide with a gun so i think it's just it's very very unfortunate and i i don't know what it's going to take at this point for something to get done Mm -hmm. 
I don't yeah. either because, because we're so desensitized at this point. We really are. And for these children, they, they watch their friends and their classmates and teachers get murdered in cold blood. 17 people were murdered in cold blood. And nothing has been done. And they're telling, they told students to get back to school after a week it happened. I, I wouldn't be able to go back even if it happened five years later. Like, I, I don't I understand. I would be terrified. I would have to transfer schools. Yeah. I'm, what, like, what mental health measures do you want schools to take to address things like this? Because if we're not going to change our gun regulation policies, then schools need to step up. So what can schools do to offer support? I think mm-hmm. maybe reduce course load and maybe offering online classes for things where they don't want to show their face in class. Because I read a bunch of tweets by the one um, girl that I mentioned earlier, and she said that she was scared to be in a classroom setting, no matter mm-hmm. where it was. Mm-hmm. She was scared to be in a classroom. So maybe maybe offering like online um, initiatives to help her still finish her coursework, but do it in a setting where she's comfortable and safe. Mm-hmm. And also just getting the topic normalized of talking about these things in a way that lets them have a safe space but also offers advice and um you know support Mm -hmm. i think also when the mayor said that it was hard because students are on spring break i think that was kind of a cop-out because even if they're still on break that doesn't matter that doesn't mean anything like depression and anxiety or ptsd those things don't go away when you're not in school Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know they're with you all the time so and i think you know everyone says a lot of parents say like oh like i didn't see the signs i didn't recognize the signs like yes it's about the signs but maybe just like getting to know why your child is sad in the first place or why they why they feel the way they do in the first place you know what i mean Mm -hmm. also it shouldn't be that every kid has to go to counseling now because somebody killed their se- themselves like it should be before that like you know it shouldn't get to mm-hmm. the point where somebody has to die for kids mental health to be recognized it should have been earlier and um i'm sure other kids are not i'm sure um ilo is not the only one who um is afraid to be in classrooms who Mm -hmm. has trauma i'm sure there are other people and i think it also like florida the state of florida needs to take responsibility for this i agree and i think as a whole the united states needs to take responsibility for this because we are losing way too many people to gun violence and it's just perpetuating the normalcy the normalcy of it and like amelia said we're just getting desensitized Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. there's almost one mass shooting a day that is not okay in any sense. And when New Zealand had their mass shooting, which was awful in its own right, they got rid of automatic we- semi-automatic weapons in three days. Mm-hmm. It took them three days. Sandy Hook happened in 2012 where kindergartners, little kids, five-year-olds were murdered in cold blood. And the American public or the American legislation did nothing. So I really, I really want to know what it's going to take god forbid something really tragic happens because what else what else is there to do well i think they're going to have to go back on their they're in 2010 they like discussed that um like this the courts discussed that um the second amendment could be interpreted in a way of individual defense so i think they're going to have to go back on that because the second amendment before that was interpreted in the way 
that said, like, we don't have a standing army. So in order to protect to protect our land, like we'll put together a militia and then we have guns. But now the U.S. has a standing army. So it's kind mm-hmm. of hard. Also, I think that I, I think we've spoken about it on the show. I'm not sure. I think that the National Rifle Association should stand as a regulator of the Second Amendment rather than like a gun selling place, yeah. you know, because we do need regulation. And of, of course, I understand that people don't trust the government having guns but i also don't understand that the people who don't trust the government having guns mostly are white men and the government is not out to get white men like we know that mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. and on that note it is getting to be that time where we have to go but as always thank you for joining us on rational radio this is philly's number one college radio station home of the temple university radio networking summit on march 29th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., located at 1755 North 13th Street, formerly known as the Howard Giddes Student, uh, Student Center. Kirby Confer of Forever Media is our keynote speaker, and he's going to be accompanied by other radio industry professionals. This event is catered by Wawa, and for more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WHIP Radio. And while you're at it, checking out WHIP, make sure that you check out some of our other news shows in the news department tomorrow night from 7 to 8. It's going to be the district. You'll get to hear Jenny. I know that they're planning to do some uh, pretty exciting interview with Temple Student Government, and you're not going to want to miss it. And um, like later on, eventually, hopefully it's in the works. And so um, other than that, too, make sure that you check out the crackdown. It's WHIP's news department weekly rundown of all the big headlines from the week. Uh, We're pretty proud of it. And yeah, we just want you guys to enjoy it, too. So on that note, we're going to head out. But hope you guys have a great week.